We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How are we doing tonight? Ivy Nation Sports Talk up and running, and it's mailbag night. That's right. He's Vince D'Addario. I'm Sean Styers. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You're doing in the good. obviously you're on the road. Got a I am tonight. another hotel, another state. I am in <laughs> uh, Evanston, Illinois, for oh. Notre Dame and Northwestern little women's basketball action. Nine o'clock Eastern time. Late <sighs> start. I mean, Oof. but I guess the only upside is because it's a later start. I get to be with you guys exactly. doing the show tonight. So on that end of it, I'm very happy that it's an early start. On the other end of it, <laughs> right. I mean, that's 9 o'clock start is rough, man. I know. How, how would you like to be Duke in Kansas from last night? Yeah, You're following a double overtime? <laughs> I tried to stay awake Ooh. as a Kansas alum, and I fell asleep, I was unfortunately. Wondering. <laughs> I was wondering if you watched that game. Because... I kept trying, and it's like I'm sitting there, and it's like, okay, this game is coming down to the wire. Oh, oh, overtime. And then, of course, double, double overtime. And I'm like, are you kidding? Come on. It was just like the Cowboys game on Brutal. Sunday, you know, with the yeah. when the Vikings bills before it went to overtime that we were talking about. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Well, it is mailbag night, so get in your questions. We've got a few of them in the chat going already. By the way, I talked to Dan Rubin from bceagles.com. I got it posted up on YouTube, and of course, we'll have it uh, on Saturday. Talked a lot about Phil Jerkovic, of course, and a little bit about John McNulty, the former Notre Dame tight ends coach as well, who's their offensive coordinator uh, first season out there. So, my boy George Takis come up. You know what? I forgot to bring up George Takis, unfortunately. I know. I know. I love me some George Takis. I, man, he, I think he'd be having a heck of a year for Notre Dame. And he'd still be second fiddle behind Michael Mayer, obviously. And I know he wanted to be tight end number one. I have no problem with that. But you know what? If he was here, I probably wouldn't be complaining about all these 13 (laughs) personnel sets all the time. Just saying. With the extra blocker, right? Like George can block. Yes, he can. That's for sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, hit that like button if you would right now. We're only going to be here. I mean, it is going to be lightning quick tonight. I got to be out. I've got a hard out at seven o'clock Eastern time tonight because the bus is leaving at seven 15. So I got to get all my stuff packed. Like my bags are packed, but the computer, the microphone, all this stuff, I've got to get it put away so I can get out the door. You guys are going to leave straight from the arena to come back home, right? Yes. Yes. If it doesn't snow too badly, because Uh, is it, what's, what's the snow like there right now? Um, It was snowing, uh, dusting at this point. It's supposed to snow until midnight and then it's supposed to stop. Yeah. So, so we're probably going to be making our way home, but it's going to be, so. it's going to be late. You know, yeah. we're not going to finish until after 11 o'clock Eastern time anyway. So it's going to be a late night creeping brutal. back in on the bus. Yeah. That's going to be brutal from Chicago. Land. All right. We'll get those questions in. Yeah. Remind everybody to get their questions in. If you would there, Vince, I got to put it in here. Got a couple of them. Let's start with Brent's question about Brandon Joseph and JD Bertrand. It sounded like, um jd that when when this came up monday at the press conference jd was going to practice he did practice sunday with the team and it so it sounded like as long as everything went okay this week he's going to be playing saturday that's one that we'll find out probably tomorrow in the zoom and brandon joseph as well we'll find out when we do the noon zoom with marcus freeman so we'll be able to tell you you know more definitively on tomorrow's show but joseph is high ankle sprain yeah, that's and high ankle sprains are just you just never know. Like I've never had a high ankle. You know, I've had your traditional like sprained right. ankle, turn the ankle, but never a high ankle. And they say that the high ankles are way worse than regular ankles. So. Yeah, and it takes longer. And those exactly. those kinds of injuries, you just need to be off of them. You, I mean, and you know, again, this is a game where you can get by without having Brandon Joseph. Excuse me, I would imagine and still be okay. Uh, you, you could get by not having JD Bertrand and probably still be okay. They won't be as missed as they were last week against Navy because they probably would have been two of your leading tacklers when it was all <laughs> said and done. I mean, the combination of Xavier Watts and Brandon Joseph at safety, and then you put you insert JD Bertrand at linebacker. And I'm telling you, the Navy def- or the Navy offense would have been neutralized. I mean, I'm not saying they wouldn't have gotten anything, but they would have been neutralized. I mean, I and I know that it's just one or two guys, but if you don't have that force on the inside at yeah. both levels, you're in trouble. And that's what we saw. I mean, safeties and middle linebackers, those are typically yeah. where the tackles go against yep. the option. Yeah. And and so. Kurt Heinish obviously was a dude in the middle uh, at the front level. In the last couple of years, I mean, he right. always dominated. Don't have that, Navy, yeah. and, and he didn't really have anybody dominate at that front level, right? So, so yeah, I mean, it's it is going to be great to have those guys back. Uh, Boston College is a bit of a mishmash, so you don't need them. I want them back though for USC and everything that they bring to the table offensively. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially USC, you know, yeah. I, I'm not going to take this game for granted because any Notre Dame game that we have taken for granted, you know, yeah. for, for the most part, it's like it comes back to bite you. So don't take it for granted. I mean, they need as many healthy, really good players as possible. They definitely missed J.D. Bertrand last week. But, you yes. know, like this is a, a BC team that does not run the ball well. Um, and they've just been kind of a mix mishmash and lance wants to know you know he says i know we think foskey will get the record this week how improved will that is bc's o-line uh, now with this being their third or fourth game in a row with the same lineup no they're still pretty bad uh and i <laughs> and i know that that was kind of the explanation for notre dame and they needed some time to gel and all that ain't no gelling going to do nothing uh, with Boston College. I mean, they're just not a very good offensive line. They're just not. And that's one of the reasons that Phil Dracovic is nursing about every injury that you could possibly have. Phil Dracovic has been sacked 25 times this season. And Moorhead, the backup, 
has been sacked 14 times. Oh, my goodness. That's 39 sacks. That's like they're working, you know, like NFL quarterbacks, you know, like, like a bad games. offensive line will get sacked like 60 plus times. Like they're working on in in 10 games, like what, you know, the pace of an NFL season almost. That is that is a lot, especially like when you consider the mobility that Phil Dracovic has. Yeah, but, right. you know, I guess the other part of that, too, is like the injuries that he's gone through the last couple of years aren't just about the offensive line, but for you sure. Know, He's a running sure. quarterback as well, just like yeah. Tyler Buckner was. And he's you know, in concussion but... protocol, I believe, now. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that it's been definitively that he's in or out uh, for this coming week. But, you know, it, Jeff Halfley said if he's healthy, he's playing. Yeah. And so we shall see what happens. I mean, they... I expect him to go. I don't know if he'll finish just okay. based on, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like everything that we've seen. Yeah. And, you know, again, I talked to Dan Rubin in that in the BC interview today and again it's up both on the podcast and youtube and we spent a lot of time talking about for phil Dracovic and he detailed a lot of you know things that have happened with phil but this is also you know he is even when he now even when phil was healthy this you know like early in the season for example he was not lighting the world on fire like yeah this is like not a really great year for him they, they were putting out you know i can't remember who it was but there were all these you know it was like basically quarterback ratings for all the the quarterbacks in the country. And, and Phil was at the bad end of the spectrum, basically, you know, it's not good. So, but you know, does the offensive line play into that? Of course it does. Sure. Should they be a little bit better? It's, it sounds like talking to Dan today, he thinks that this line is showing, you know, a little bit of a pulse signs of improvement, but it's still an offensive line that's given up 39 sacks. So I mean, you know, four sacks a game. Yeah, that's that's a lot, a lot of, of sex. And people are talking about Isaiah Foskey and getting a record. And all. if he doesn't get the record this week, I mean, he'll have a great shot of getting it next week, to be honest. I mean, if we're being honest, there's going to be a heck of a lot of drop back opportunities against USC mm-hmm. for him to get the record there, too. So I feel confident that he's going to get it at some point. I just have a feeling it's probably going to come this week as opposed to next. Caleb Williams gets it out quick, though, man. Like that guy, he does. He's, he's got a trigger, <laughs> no doubt about it, for sure. I, I, I've, man, I think he should be able to get it this week. But you I know, again, so. against a sieve of a of a line. But you know, other guys are going to have opportunities too. And sometimes those other guys, when they get the pressure, yeah. takes away Posky's opportunities or no whoever's doubt. opportunities. No, no doubt about it. All right. Stymie wants to know if it's a snowy Saturday, do we see 300 plus rushing yards? I'm is it possible? Sure. Plausible, probable, probably not. And I don't believe that it's going to be snowy. It's just going to be cold. Yeah. There's going to be a, there, that, you know, obviously that's a difference. It's going to be most of the snow is going to happen like in the next 24 tonight. hours. Yeah. And then it's they'll, happen you know, tonight. like you might see remnants of some snow. You might right. see some snowballs. <laughs> yes. But. But yeah, yeah, I don't think you're going to see snow on like, you know, new snow falling from the sky on Saturday. And I don't honestly think it's going to snow on Friday either. So you're going to have plenty of time to get things cleaned up. And if that's not going to be an issue with the game, it's going to be cold. It's like a high of 27 on Saturday. So it's going to be cold. So that's going to be more of an issue than anything else. But you can throw the ball when it's cold and you can run the ball when it's cold. So I don't know that the weather is really going to affect a whole lot. I don't see 300 rushing yards. That's not something that I would count on. If I'm being honest, I think they're going to throw the ball. I think they're going to run the ball. They're going to do what they've been doing. And they darn well better execute better than they did in the second half of the game I mean, this past week. We're going to try to predict what Notre Dame's offense is going to do. I mean, I might as well, <laughs> I might as well be throwing money down the drain like you've done yeah. on all those double-digit you know, times that Notre Dame has been favored not wrong. this season. I just... It's it's very hard to predict. I, you know, they'll run the offense. I don't think that they want you know Drew Pine necessarily just to be a handoff machine. And you know, we they 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 just they need to find offensive balance throughout the game. This is a game yeah. where Boston College is is going to come in. They're going to be you know you're going to guys going to have those you know sort of undersized chippy guys chip yeah. on their shoulders and and the whole thing just like with Navy. And there's going to be a lot of that because this is a huge rivalry game 
for Boston College. This this is it. You know, again, like talking to to Mr. Rubin today, that's the thing that we finished up talking about with the rivalry. This is Boston College's rival. You know, like Boston, sure. Boston is pretty much, you know, it might even be it, it, it might even favor Notre Dame in terms of Notre Dame fans in Boston. Mm-hmm. I was going to say 50-50, you know, it might even mm-hmm. favor Notre Dame, you know, because obviously BC, you know, it's it's a it's a college in a in a big market, sure. you know. So there are there are a ton of Notre Dame fans there, and we all know mm-hmm. about you know the backup school and all that kind of stuff. So Notre Dame, Notre Dame needs to kind of get its mind right going sure. into this game in order to get it's offense on the right foot. You know, I think that that's a big part of it. No, I think that's but, a really, really solid point. And it's, it's definitely a, a little brother, big brother, you know, type of mentality, like that kind of a thing. It's definitely a bigger rivalry to Boston college than it is to Notre Dame. I mean, that's just, that's just a fact. Right. And, but Notre Dame needs to get their head around the fact that they need to win this game and they need to win it decisively, in my opinion, to have some good vibes going into USC. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, let's look at what they the real the rival, table. right? I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you can say that USC. I mean, BC is a rival. I think there's a trophy at stake. I think I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but like, just because there's a trophy doesn't make it a rivalry. Okay, I, there, there's a local rivalry here between two of the high schools, and it hasn't been. It's been a one-sided rivalry for quite some time. You know what I mean? And yeah. and it's just it's not a rivalry. I'm sorry. So. This is not a rivalry game. This is a big game because it's senior day, and and you want well, to beat Boston. It's College. a rival. It's still a rivalry game for one side, though, and that's that's what, fair. That's, that's fair. what concerns me. That's yeah, what that's, concerns that me because fair. I don't think there are enough Notre Dame guys who you know are going to be in that frame of mind when they think about Boston right. College. You know, right. it's it is a rivalry for BC, and that's that's part of what's made that's this true. game so dangerous over the years. Even though Notre Dame has won more times when they played Boston College in recent years. It's right. still what makes it dangerous is it's it's a big rivalry to one side, you know, even if it's not to the other so yeah. much. I, I starred this one, Sean. I'll let you read it. But I, I, I starred this one because I wanted to talk about it. Okay. So Jason says, we were smart to have the Southern guys and Cali guys on their visits before the super cold hit. I mean, the visits were two weeks ago in November. You plan those months in advance. Could have still been cold. There was no guarantee that it was going to be a beautiful day on November 5th. No guarantee. And that was about as nice a day as you could ask for. No doubt about it. We don't get those kinds of days uh, around here. It worked out very, very well that that was the case. But I can't, I don't know that I can give credit that Notre Dame was smart to do this because they were going to do it on that day regardless. It was actually the windy day, though, too, wasn't it? So, I mean, it was, it was windy. Yeah, it was windy. It was but, it was it was actually yeah. better weather two days before, but it was windy True. and a little bit chilly. But, but yeah, still, I it's mean, not going to be snowy. That's for I, sure. I can't give Notre Dame credit for that. You can give right. Mother Nature credit for that, but you know, <laughs> I think they just planted around here the primetime games, and that's when we want as many of the big guys in as possible. Right when they play those night games, so yep. they can put on the light show and and they can you know basically woo them all day, you know and leading up to the game because you know there were events all day long for those guys and you know then it leads up to the game and obviously Notre Dame took care of business when they needed to so it ended up really good you know Vince did you were you doing the the college football playoff show last night I was not it was very late because they had to wait for the double overtime game I know. and um I was I'm glad I wasn't waiting to do a live show when yeah. there was an double overtime I felt bad for the guys because they started the show and there was nothing to talk about so they were just kind of doing a mailbag and kind of shooting the bull and waiting for the show to start it was do a little basketball play uh, by play it was brutal did you Tyler wants to know any any thoughts of the rankings from last night yeah I think I still think Kansas State is way too overhyped I don't think they belong I mean they shot up like four or five spots from last week and they still haven't beat a ranked team I don't know how that's possible so they're the highest ranked three loss team at the moment. So that is a bit baffling as far as the top of it, which is what people care about. Obviously the four undefeated teams are one, two, three, four. That obviously makes sense. You know, I think, I don't think LSU is seven good, right? I think that's where they're at. If I'm doing it off the top of my head, uh, or maybe USC is seven. I'm sorry. USC is seven. LSU is six. 
I honestly think USC should be higher than LSU based on the losses, right? Uh, but, you know, I think that's nitpicking at this point. I mean, it's fine for what it is at the moment. There's always things that you can be upset about. There was one huge riser. Who was it in the Pac-12? Jumped like from 25 all the way up to Washington because of the Washington. win over Oregon. That's they, they moved up eight spots to number Holy, 17. You yeah. want to talk about a, about a move? Holy cow. Not appropriate. Like they, yeah. they should not have jumped that far because of one win. Uh, and then Penn State's way too high. I mean, Penn State's way too high. Yeah. I'll correct you on Kansas State because they have beaten both Oklahoma schools. Who are both Oklahoma was still ranked in the top ten when Kansas State beat them. Actually, that's it. Actually, got them ranked, you know, in the human poll, you know, whatever polls, AP and coaches poll after that, and they beat yeah. Oklahoma State as well. But you know, they've lost to TCU. They've lost. None of them Texas. are ranked anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. That's well, the problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. They were ranked when they beat them, but they're not. Sure. They're not sure. Oklahoma State Notre Dame, is still currently. Notre Dame's ranked. not getting credit for beating Syracuse at this point because they're not ranked anymore. Right. You know, they're not getting they're not getting credit for BYU because they're not ranked anymore. Right. So yeah. So that's I where guess, I'm at. I guess my biggest thought is LSU sitting there at number six, and you know, one through five all stayed the mm-hmm. same. And yeah. then that next group, LSU, USC, Alabama, Clemson, all moved up one because mm-hmm. you had Oregon. They dropped out. Dropping six spots because of that loss to Washington. Why Oregon is still ahead of North Carolina right now, not really sure about that. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you can say that they played a little bit tougher schedule. But LSU sitting there at number six. You know, again, we know either Ohio State or Michigan, one of the two is going to lose. Yeah. And LSU, you know, it's still a big if, but if they run the table and win that SEC championship, I think they're going to be the first two loss team to make the playoff. Uh, I don't so see far. it. I know I, it they kills got their you. losses are too bad, they're but they're sitting bad. there at number six. It's I know they're sitting there at number six. They're saying they're they're already justifying them. They're they're getting us ready they for are. it. The committee is you putting know? them in position to do that. I agree with you. Yeah, but that would be a travesty. Now, the other terrible. thing is though, there are you know it, it's not just Ohio, you know because they're at number six. There is still the matter of. TCU as well. And if TCU runs the right. table, they're going to make it. Absolutely. We know that Ohio State, Michigan is going to make it. The winner it of that like game. Tennessee's it. probably going to make it unless they screw the pooch. So, yeah, right. So, I mean, there's there there's definitely going to be. <laughs> wow. I would never slap Sean. Sean's not a Kansas State fan. He's a Kansas fan. Come on, people. <laughs> That's right. Kansas State is my rival. It yeah. is not my school. It's, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just giving them proper credit, you know, just, just to make sure, you know, I have to hear from my dad, you know, and so my, my dad is one of these, you know, my sister went to Kansas state. Yeah. I went to Kansas. He's got the split my job. dad didn't go to either. So he's one of these, well, I pull for Kansas state football and Kansas basketball, you know, one of uh-huh. those guys. One know, of those. So, yeah. 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 Right I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> That's right. I would never talk trash about Kansas or the Cowboys <laughs> in Sean's presence. Right. I know better. Right. All right, Nick, what are your thoughts? Better for Notre Dame if UCLA slows down USC or if it's a shootout? It's not better for Notre Dame if UCLA does anything positive against USC because UCLA already they, – they screwed it up last week by losing. Yeah. So now they've dropped, right? And a loss – to UCLA does Notre Dame no good at all, right? You want USC to win. You want them to win big because if you want to use the transitive property, right? If Notre Dame beats USC and then, you know, USC blew out UCLA, then that just takes the Pac-12 just out of the mix as far as being above Notre Dame, right? So you you want USC to just obliterate UCLA at this point. Do you, like, do you want them to have something to play for or is it better if they're – you know, eliminated potentially from the college football playoff mix if they were to lose to UCLA. Like I want USC because, like, by. I was thinking, I, I was kind of thinking along the lines, you know, that you were thinking. Like, you don't want a, a wounded animal going in there, and you know, kind of, you know, like they're they're coming off UCLA, and now you know maybe it ticks them off a little bit more, and they're taking on Notre Dame. But at the same time, if they beat UCLA, they they've still got something to play for because they're 
a couple wins potentially from getting into the playoff themselves if they run the table. If they lose to UCLA, then that game doesn't mean quite as much on a national stage for Notre yeah. Dame. If now in a vacuum, Notre Dame USC is always big to me. I always want to beat USC. So Sid Iris is like, I always want USC to lose. I, I get it. I always do as well. Right. But at this point, I want them to win because I want Notre Dame to knock them off their pedestal and knock them out of any possibility of being in the college football playoff. Because if they beat Notre Dame and then they go on to win the Pac-12, and we're going to talk about that in rapid fire. Yes. I've got something to say about that. But like <laughs> Notre Dame, you want I want I want to knock them off their pedestal. I want Notre Dame to be the ones to do that because then that'll raise Notre Dame's stock even more. Right, because if you beat a two-loss USC team, sure, yeah. So from Notre Dame's perspective, yeah, it, it would it so, would mean more. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, Tom says he's seen both U, uh, USC and UCLA play multiple times this year. UCLA, I agree, more with physical that. for a change, and I, I would agree. agree with that as well. And yeah. that's why, you know, I think Notre Dame has a pretty good shot in that game because of the physicality. Exactly. So exactly, and. It would not in any way surprise me if USC loses to UCLA, by the way. I just want to put that out there. Oh, I know. I frankly think that US, UCLA is a better overall team top to bottom, right? I think USC has a better offense. But I think UCLA is better top to bottom. So they could win. I mean, they could absolutely win that game. Ooh. I just don't want to see it. I love this. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff as well. So we can get done, get back home, have a couple pops, and watch a little bit of that game. Saturday night. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good Before call. That. Now, I don't know. I'll let uh, Rob has a question basically about with all the speed and talent coming in um, next year, you know, in the, in the 2023 recruiting class on defense, do you see more aggressive style, multi formations or traditional style? What do you think about that? Well, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth on this. And I'm not directing this at you, Rob, specifically, but if you're bringing in all this speed and talent, they're all going to be freshmen. You can't throw an NFL playbook at freshmen. That's not going to work, right? You can trigger them. You can do certain things with them, et cetera. And by the way, they're not all going to start either. So, you know, this recruiting class, you're not, you're not, this, this recruiting class isn't your new defense. Like you're going to have plenty of guys that are starting now Uh, that are going to continue to start. So there's going to be maybe one or two guys. You know, uh, Peyton Bowen obviously has an opportunity to get some significant minutes at safety. I would agree with that. Uh, But other than that, I don't know that you're going to see a ton of the new guys in massive roles. So, no, I don't think the defense is going to change a whole lot right away. Now, eventually, maybe, but not as freshmen. I I don't see that. Yeah. I concur, you know, because you can have all the speed and talent and athleticism that you want, but you still have to absorb the playbook. And right. It's and that's asking know. a lot of these freshmen coming in. I mean, right. and, and there's a lot of talent sitting on the bench right now. I mean, we would all agree we want to see more Prince Kali. We want to see more Jalen Sneed. You know, we yep. want to see more Junior Two Alamaka. I mean, there's there's guys that well, we need to see as well. You know, it was interesting as well is Marcus Freeman was was asked about Jalen Sneed and, you know, him getting in there against Navy last week. And it was basically precipitated by the fact that J.D. Bertrand was out. But what the, the, the interesting thing that Marcus Freeman said was even before Bertrand got hurt, Sneed had moved up to the depth chart. He had that's made awesome. his way into the two deep. So, you know, so that's really good news for one. But we're also in this point now where four games left as of last week, three right. regular season games and, and a bowl game. game. So right. we're, we're probably going to see your whole roster. I think we're going to see a lot more of Jalen Sneed right. on, you know, like at the very least on a bunch of special teams. Right. And that's why you saw Jabron Payne back there returning. Right. Kicks. And him, him as well. He, yep. he brought up him as well as the off kickoff returner. And, and so I, you know, I think that's pretty, especially you know, like Payne back there, along with Tyree on, on kickoff return, there's some pretty good potential. Absolutely. Like to see him get the ball in his hands once. I would not be upset if that was the case. Nope. That'd be fun. Irish in Ohio. Can we beat BC before we start all the USC talk? That's fair. (laughs) I mean, it is. That's a fair statement. Okay. That is a fair, absolutely fair statement. Yep. That's what I'll say. It's a fair statement, man. (laughs) I, I get it. After this year, gosh, 
who knows? <laughs> Here's a good question. Jeff Brown, if Minchie commits and assuming a healthy Tyler Buckner is back, are they still going to the portal for a quarterback? If it's to get a Jack Cone type, I say pass. He was slightly above average, benefited from a weak schedule. Yes, they are going to still look at the the portal uh regardless of of what uh, kenny minchie does and his name is kenny by the way for those in the local media um but they are still going to look at the portal <laughs> yeah there's no question about that it was my shade throw at you. yeah i love it too <laughs> uh but no they're gonna look at the portal and i think they're going to bring somebody in and i know that Brian has not shared it with me but i know that there there are names out there of people that they think are going to be in the portal um, and so there's guys that Notre Dame will target in the portal. So yes, they are going to the portal regardless. And I don't, but it's not going to be a situation where they bring them in to start. They, they're going to bring them in to compete. Still have to compete for the job. And Everybody's going to compete. You know, again, you know, it goes back to last year and yep. could have had a, you know, what's his name? The, uh, uh, the kid at, at, uh, Pitt, I mean, not Pitt, uh, West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. He wanted to come here, but he they told him guarantees. he had to compete for the job. They weren't just going to yeah. hand him the job. He wanted and, guarantees, and I'm happy that they didn't. And I'm behind that all the way, yeah. you know, especially if he's someone, you know, like you can look at all the film you want, and right. you know you you at least have a more experienced guy than than you have just a high school kid coming off the street. Um, It wasn't Slovis. It was the other one, um, the one that came from Georgia, right? Yeah. Uh his name he reclassified JT daniels. daniels thanks anthony there Boom. you go jt daniels boom there it is yep thank you sir <laughs> slovis yep. is the one at pittsburgh J- daniels is yeah, the one it was right Virginia. i said yeah. pitt originally and i retracted right right but i was thinking the same thing i couldn't because re- they played right off the bat early this season and that's the last time i really saw him play but in any case uh you're gonna have a more experienced quarterback coming in the door but you still have two guys you recruited one who's you know going to end up starting. What's it going to be by the time it's all said and done? Well, like thirteen games or something, like or twelve games, I guess. Right? No, no. He started uh, three. Yeah, so three, three game two. three on. Right. Yeah, so exactly. It'll be, it'll be like eleven games this year. Right. Yeah. And then you've got Tyler Buckner, who of course was supposed to be the quarterback, and all that. Yeah. So like you bring in a guy, but you, you don't make him any promises. He's got to he's got to earn it just like everybody else. Yep. I've got no problem with that. Uh, will Steve Angeli be ready next year I, to be a backup? It's going to be a four or five way battle for the starting quarterback position, and everything will shake out the way it needs to shake out. I mean, I you know, it's very difficult to give five guys equal reps, and so you'll probably see you know Kenny Minchie not get as many right, but in the spring you're going to have five guys, right? I mean, if they bring in a transfer quarterback, I would assume they're going to bring him in in the spring, okay? Right. So you're going to have five guys getting reps in the spring. Six if you count RP3, which, I mean, (laughs) just saying he's on the roster. Um, But they're all going to get reps. And, I mean, things will shake out, I think, quickly, Uh, you know, as far as, you know, who's actually competing for the starting position. But, yeah. Look, Angeli could be a back. He's the backup this year. He could be the backup. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's it's going to be – I think the spring's going to be really interesting. It's going to – we're going to have all eyes. It's going to be – yeah, it's going to be a very interesting spring. I will say that because, like I said, there could be six quarterbacks on the roster. Six. Notre Dame hasn't had that in a long time. Yeah. I was looking – I thought I saw a comment in here, and it's kind of slipped by me. But I can't find now. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Right. Did you see any other comments, Vince? Not comments per se. Or questions, I guess. I mean, there were a couple in there. Some were recruiting based. Yeah. Uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, there was one. I've been trying to keep it keep an eye out, but there was one I was about to start earlier, and then I think it slipped right by me. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I tell you what, 
Oh, Jason is asking the. <laughs> Are you guys pretty confident that Tommy will be back and not take an NFL opportunity? If if I was a betting man, I would say that he will probably be back. The only thing he leaves Notre Dame for is an offensive coordinator position in the NFL. You don't think he'd go be a quarterback coach first? I don't. I think he that's go be a that's gonna be well, I mean, if that's the case. I think he's going to be here a while. That, right. That's know, what I'm saying. This, until this offense, you know, like Dan Orlovsky can love him all he wants. And you sure. Know, Dan Orlovsky, great detail about, you know, NFL offenses and all that kind of stuff. But I just think that there, there, there needs to be some more consistency shown at the college level, high consistency shown at the college level before you start talking about making a college guy an NFL coordinator. Sure. Because that's, that's still a big jump, you know. You, hey, now, you get no he uses argument. A lot of NFL concepts. I will and, say that you know he models a lot of his things you know, off NFL concepts. And there's a lot so. of NFL people that think that he is the truth. So, I mean, it's definitely. Who knows? I guess. I mean, it, all it takes is the right guy. You know, exactly. it depends on who he's got the relationship right. with, and and how things shake out with yeah. the, the coaching carousel in the NFL, right? Right. You know, who knows what that's going to look like? But yeah, I think I think. When Tommy Reese leaves Notre Dame to go to the NFL, whenever that is, I think he's going to be a coordinator right away. Okay. That's the only way he leaves. All right. D-Hawk wants to know, better future, Orioles or Royals? As of right now, I will go with Orioles, even though I do think Kansas City is going to get a little bit more analytics-driven after finally ending the the ill-fated Mike Matheny experience. I was not a fan of that. From the beginning, mm-hmm. can have a lot of young guys coming through, and I think that uh, I think that that's kind of I like the Orioles just based on kind of yeah. how they emerged late in the season. That's still a tough division in the AL East. Anthony wants to know my baseball prediction. I don't um, know, man. I mean, wow. new head coach. I'm yeah. gonna have to kind of wait and see, and and, and there's new faces, feel things and, out. Yeah, a lot of new faces. Some turnover yeah. on that roster, and you know they lost some some pitching, obviously, to the transfer portal but well uh once the once the football off season gets here we'll start investing more time in some other sports as well whether it's basketball oh baseball, yeah you know don't worry stuff, it's coming whatever and there's a men's game on tonight i'll be watching that right and i'll also be watching the women's game i'm gonna do the the combo get the split. action because it's snowing outside no reason to go out basketball that's what i'm gonna be doing so all right we're okay. going to start running short of time here pretty quick, Vince. Of course we are. We, we, I want to get to one question here. Okay, do here. it quick. Yep. Any advice for a new dad that wants his son to grow up a Notre Dame fan, even though the entire family is USC fans, they are already buying SC clothes for him? Hmm. I would say, now I don't know where you live, Gavin. Garen. Garen, I'm sorry. The typo, the, the, the font was a little small for my... For my uh, yeah <laughs> eyes here, but uh, I would say one he lives in your house, right? So they can buy him the stuff all you know because like when my son was was young, my dad the you know now Washington Commanders, but then he was a Washington Redskins fan where they still Carlo you know he tried to buy him a Redskins you know blanket and he would buy him these you know Washington things and it's like okay garage sale items right there. <laughs> He, he lives in the house with you, so he needs to be there cheering with you, watching yep. every Notre Dame football game and whatever other Notre Dame game it is. You know, buy him the gear. If you live here in town, take him to Notre Dame events, and I yes. guarantee you he'll get the Notre Dame fever, and it won't matter how much other USC garbage that the rest That's of the right. family buys him. Just, you know, start showing him the last five or six years Notre Dame-USC games and put it on a loop. You know, and just watch all the success that Notre Dame has. There was yes. a 12-year span, I think, in the 80s and 90s where Notre Dame dominated USC. Just stay away from the mid-2000s, right? Other than that, show them all that stuff. Just don't don't allow that music in there. Don't allow them to do the two-finger thing. <laughs> like, just right. stay away from all that, man. You got to – you're the dad, man. Take that control. That's right. Take it. Take it. You have the control. That's you right. need to use it. All right. With that said, Vince, Let's are you ready for rapid fire? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Fill in the blank. 
Justin Adamalola is eligible for a sixth season of eligibility next year. But he says despite being asked to return next season, he hasn't made a decision on what he's going to do after this season. And that's blank. Smart. I think he's going to take all of the information, and I think he's going to make an educated decision. Personally, from a football standpoint, I think he needs to come back. I mean, I think he can – he will go from being a non-starting role player this year to being a starter and the most experienced guy coming back on the defensive line next year, and it negates your issues at the Viper position if he comes back. So, I mean, from a Notre Dame standpoint, you want him back. He's obviously been invited. From a uh, Justin – situation I think he should come back because I think it can only help him from a draft standpoint but I also understand that this is senior day and he's going to be able to participate in senior day with his twin brother and I get that and you don't want to make a decision because if he makes the decision to come back he's by Marcus Freeman's new rules he's not allowed to participate in senior day that's a good point I wonder if that's playing into it I'm okay with it because of that if that was the only reason that he hasn't made his decision yet I'm okay with it because I would want to be out there with my actual brother and celebrate senior day with him. Right. Uh, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense from, from that aspect. And I hadn't thought about, you know, but you know, Marcus Freeman also said they have to have made a decision on their future. And if they, you know, like (laughs) the guys, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to, you know, because he basically drew that line in the sand and said, 25 guys are going to be honored Saturday and they are all, guys with expiring eligibility and they've all you know already you know have to be seniors and they've made up their minds we're not going to have these guys getting honored two and three times on senior day like we've seen in the past to me it felt like he was saying though if you are coming back if you have decided to come back then you are not participating like that's that's what it felt like to me as opposed because you don't want to put a gun to a kid's head and be like, we need to know right now. Right. Right. That's going to shoot you. That's going to backfire. If you do that. See what you said about, you know, doing senior day with your twin brother, that makes a lot of sense, obviously. And if that's the reason fine, but like what I looked at it initially, I hadn't really considered that side to me. It seemed like a guy who maybe had, you know, like thinks of himself, as a guy who has a chance to get drafted when really he probably doesn't have a chance to get drafted. He's 6'1", 253, playing defensive end, you know, the number two defensive end, and he's only got, what, two and a half sacks or something like that. So if it's, if you know, if he hasn't decided purely on a career standpoint, coming back would most benefit him because Isaiah Foskey will not be back, or at least, you know, we're we're pretty confident Isaiah Foskey is not going to be back, which – which de facto makes Justin number one at that position next year, which gives him a much better chance to improve his own draft status for the next year. So if it was purely on draft potential type stuff this year, I think it makes no sense at all. But if it's like what you're saying, go out there, go on senior day, be honored with your twin brother, you know, and his family being here and the whole thing. I think it makes a ton of sense. Yep. And I I just pulled this up because we're talking about senior day. Crystal, says just got here will mayor be a part of senior festivity festivities or is it part you must be a senior and leaving have to be a senior it's called senior day for a reason so you're sorry you're sorry michael mayor you are the best tight end ever to come to notre dame but you're not a senior so it is what it is you know he'll probably come back at some point in the future and and be honored you know but if you you leave after your junior year you can't be there on senior day like and he said, should leave. I mean, we're not saying he leave. should stick around. Yeah. 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 Do you buy or sell? Navy gave Boston College and USC a defensive blueprint for when they face Notre Dame. To a degree. I mean, I agree with it to a degree because part of the problem with what Navy was doing to Notre Dame is Notre Dame, I mean, I hate to say it, I hate to use the words of Marcus Freeman. They didn't execute. Like, they, they, they turned guys loose. They moved protections in the wrong way. There were, you know, running backs had their worst game of picking up pressure in the past game. There there was just a lot of bad execution in that game, and even more so when I went back and watched it for the Upon Further Review show. If they just execute, if they just block the guys they're supposed to block, it's a completely different conversation that we're having about the second half of Navy. So, if they can execute, then... Boston College and USC can do whatever they want. It's not going to make a difference. But they have to execute that. They picked that stuff up against Clemson. 
They didn't pick it up against Navy. So we know they can do it, but they actually have to do it. Right. It, you know, you could say that, okay, they're going to blitz more. They're going to crowd the line of scrimmage more. I mean, anyone could have done that at any point. Like Stanford shut Notre Dame's running game down five weeks ago or whatever yeah. it's been now. That wasn't necessarily a blueprint for anybody afterwards. I, I just think that Navy's defense is so unique the way they yeah. did things and the way they felt like they had to do things. You know, again, maybe you blitz a little bit more. You know, anyone has had the opportunity to put seven, eight in the box at any point. And, you know, they've tried it at different times this year. And it's really just a matter of, like you said, it comes down to whether Drew Pine specifically, if it comes to passing or the, you know, the offensive line executes, you know, that's what it comes down to to me. Now, you know, what's, how is Tommy Reese? Because the other part of this is Tommy Reese has attacked each opponent a little bit differently, even though the game plans in general, there have been, you know, some, you know, just kind of ripping off <laughs> photocopying, photocopying the game plan. You know, there've been some of that, but there have been some tweaks along the way as well. Just, you know, like how they attack Clemson was not the way they att- tried to attack Navy, you know, two different things. So, you know, part of it's going to depend on that. Part of it's going to depend on, you know, because the, the other part of it as well now is Drew Pine has had a week to work on some of that stuff. And Tommy Reese Absolutely. has had a week to work on some of that stuff with him. So how are they yeah. all going to respond? That's a good point. That, you know? That's a really good point. So, you know, there could be some stuff they try to copy, but and also you should every I mean, defensive coordinator, you know, one, every defense is a little bit different. And I right. don't think most defensive coordinators aren't just going to drastically alter what they do defensively, <laughs> you know, whether, you know, right. Navy or any other team had success or not. There might be some, some little pieces that they try to replicate, but I, I don't see them drastically altering their defenses to try to copy Navy, though. Agreed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so this is a question, I kind of teased this last week, that came from a uh, someone posted on, on uh, one of our YouTube videos Ooh. in response to some stuff. Okay, I don't know if it was necessarily response, but he posted <laughs> this. It was a question that he asked anyway. He says, so people are saying that if Notre Dame wins out, they could be in the top 12 in the rankings, college football playoff rankings. So if the college football playoff had a 12-team format, they could be in the playoff field. And if a team had a season like Notre Dame, you know, like Notre Dame is currently having and wins out, they ended up winning the national championship. Is that what really people want to see? Seems watered down to me. So what do you think of this, Vince? Does that seem watered down to you? You know, that's a good point because that is the argument against doing the 12-team playoff, right? Is that you're going to get teams in there with three losses uh, or more who now have an opportunity to win the national championship. Now, it's going to be a really tough road uh, if you are, you know, the 12 seed, for example, right? I mean, if or the it would be the 11 seed, right? Because the 12 seed is going to go to that, most likely going to go to that uh, group of five team, right? Uh, unless they're right. really good and they happen to be ranked higher. Okay, right. so, but if you're the 11 seed, you're still going on the road to for the first round and then you got to play a top four seed, right? So it would be a tough road to hoe in order to win the national championship. Could it be possible? Sure. I think that now you have into play all those underdog stories and you have, you know, all the things that bring eyeballs to TV. You have that going for you if you do this and like a Notre Dame or somebody with three losses ends up running the table. Does it feel watered down? Maybe a little bit, but at the same time, if you're one of the best teams in the country and you can't hold your own water against a team with three losses, then maybe you don't deserve to be a national champion. So I, I'm well, I'm for it. I, I, I just have, I just feel like to be honest with you and it could happen. I feel like those teams that maybe just skated in, 
would end up losing anyway. I don't think that they would all the way make it because there's usually a pretty good drop off from like the top five or six all the way down to 10, 11, 12. There, there's a good drop off there. Sure. So like, I think it would work itself out. I'll, I'll use the NFL as an example because, okay. you know, I, I realize there are people who well, don't, don't make my college football like the NFL and all that stuff. I get it. All right. It's the same sport, but they're two different sports, you know, same sport, two different games. But at the same time, the NFL has had a much larger playoff field than college football, especially considering college football only went to a playoff format just a few years ago. So here's here's an exa- couple, two examples, same team that I'll give you. 2007 New York Giants, 10-6 and six in the regular season. Yeah. They were a wild card team, didn't win their own division. They make the playoffs. They go on a run. They beat the unbeaten New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. You know, the team with Randy yeah. Moss, the first team to get to the Super Bowl without a loss, you know, since the 1972 Miami Dolphins. 10-6, and six, beats the undefeated team, Super Bowl champs for the rest of their lives. 2011, Giants are even worse. They're 9-7. and seven. Again, they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl champs for the rest of their lives. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, like because of those two Super Bowls, Eli Manning's going to the Hall of Fame. If they don't go on those two runs as a 10-6 and six team and a 9-7 and seven team, that didn't win their own division, they are not, you know, he's not going to the Hall of Fame, one, and they're not Super Bowl champs. And, you know, so you've got an expanded playoff, and, and sometimes, you know, I'll be cur- I will be curious to see how it works in college because there, there definitely has been greater disparity between the top of the rankings and, and teams like you're talking about, where you sit there in that sure. 10, 11, 12 range, or, you know, even 8, eight and 9. There's been better disparity, but what you have to remember is teams one through four get a first-round bye. And so you're going to get more evenly matched games in those first-round games. You know, So like nobody cares that North Carolina State was a sixth seed if you apply it to March Madness when they won it, you know, March Madness in 83, or that Villanova was an eighth seed in 85. They're national champions. They got in, and they play it out. And like there are 131 FBS football teams in the country. So four teams – is 3% of the teams making the playoffs. If you expand it to 12, that's still only 9%. You know, it's so it's still a very small amount of teams that are getting in. It's just the difference is sure. we've only had a playoff for a few years. So it's 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 just a constant, I think, for everybody to grab when it comes to who's involved in the playoff and, and how many teams and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think it makes it any worse. Yeah. I think it makes it even more exciting if well, if like an 11 or 12 would would at least get to a national championship game. And that is the point I think because I'm sorry there's not much better than playoff football in the NFL and I don't think college is going to be that far behind as far as the excitement level to watch some of these games. I, I think it's going to be pretty stinking exciting to watch some of these games and to kind of follow teams and see upsets and all that. And if a team like a Notre Dame, for example, and you get in with three losses, you're going to be in the 10-11 range, right? So that means you have to beat the six seed. Then you probably have to beat the two seed. And then you're going to have to beat the one seed. Right. If you do that, it's going to take deserve, a lot. You deserve to be the national champs, man, because right. you beat all the teams that probably thought that they were going to be national champions. So I'm okay with it. I think it makes for a great story. I think it makes for great football. I think it could be a lot of fun. Now, I also think there's going to be pretty good amount of blowouts in the playoffs at the college level. I think, I think you're going to see some blowouts, but that's going to come with it because the drop-off is going to be greater in college than it is in the NFL. I still think that like the first round games are going to be more like, I'm more interested in first round games. Like here's what it like ESPN every week has done the projection. If there was a 12 team format this year, number 12 would be central Florida versus number five, Michigan. Number 11, Penn State at number 6, Tennessee. Number 10, Utah at number 7, LSU. Number 9, Clemson at number 8, Alabama. And, like, those matchups aren't, you know, like a completely compelling case. Like, when I think of, like, how some of those could turn out. But at the same time, it's still an Alabama team that's down, and you'd get Alabama-Clemson in the first round. Like, I would still be more interested in those as opposed to – some of the bowl, just matchups. a bunch of basically yeah. bowl games that don't mean that exhibition games that are meaningless. And yeah. I will also say that you're going to see less opting out 
if a team is in the playoffs. Yes. yes. And so much less opting out. If you've got, let's say you've got Alabama Clemson in a in a bowl game this year, right? Because they're not going to make, you know, let's say neither one of them make the playoff, which I think is a pretty solid bet at this point. So let's say that they match up in one of these bowl games. You know how many guys are going to opt out of that game? Right. It's going to be a terrible game because you're going to have a bunch of guys who haven't played all year. They're going to be playing in that game. I, If you're in the playoff and you still have a shot at a national championship, that game is a completely different scenario. Right. All right, got to keep it moving here because yep. I've only got a few more minutes. USC's number seven in this week's playoff rankings. If the Trojans run the table against Notre Dame, UCLA, and then the Pac-12 championship game, do you buy or sell them getting into the playoff? They've got a shot just because of where they are right now, right? They've got a shot. A lot of stuff is going to have to shake their way. I think Oregon losing hurt them big time uh, as far as strength of schedule is going to be when, once you get through the Pac-12 championship. Because I think they needed a better be those yeah. two. I think you need a better matchup there. And TCU is going to have to lose, I think, at some point, right? In order to kind of open up that area. Because I think if TCU loses, I think they're probably out. Uh, but you're going to have to have some teams above you mess up. Uh, but they're going to need a lot of help, but it was not out of the realm of possibility if they do it because their one loss is to Utah by one point. That's You can explain that away, uh, to be honest. So yeah, they're going to have one of the better losses of the one-loss teams if you're starting to compare resumes on one-loss teams. Yeah, and you know, and again – the question is what's going to happen with the teams in front of them. But just the fact that they're sitting at number seven means they're yeah, in yeah. really good position. Absolutely. But, you know, like, like, again, like we were talking about two loss LSU earlier sitting there where, where LSU is sitting right now at number six. Okay. So you know, the committee obviously likes LSU better than USC. So if they both run the table, LSU is getting in over USC. Because they'd I, have a win I over Georgia at that point. I strongly disagree with that decision. I would strongly. You disagree. can disagree with it, but they'll also have a win over Georgia. So right, they're going to they get they in. Got blowout in loss. They got blowout loss to Tennessee. Right, a I know blowout loss. I know. So, but you know, the other thing is Tennessee is still sitting in front of them. You know, and then what do you do? You know, it's this is what we talked about last week. I think what do you do with Georgia, Tennessee, and LSU? Because then you've got sure head-to-head wins against each other. Yeah, you know, so. I think it's going to get really interesting, but the committee obviously it could be a fun debate. I just, I just think that if USC ends up winning out, they still have one loss. LSU has two losses. And one of those losses is an absolute shellacking by Tennessee. So I, I just, I would take, if you just, if you just have the resume, you don't have the team name. This isn't, this isn't BK bashing, although I, it's one of my pastimes. I enjoy (laughs) it, but I still think just from a resume standpoint, I would put USC in. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about Jim Mora for uh, for Coach of the Year right now with what he's done at UConn, but don't say it. Do not say it. But your boy, your don't boy is it. like, <laughs> you can't be Coach of the Year if you lose to Florida State and Tennessee the way they did. You can't. Sorry. No, I disagree with that because their uh, roster. I know you don't like him, but their roster was a was a bleep show last year, no. and for them to even be sitting where they are right now, I don't care if you lose to Florida State. Because as we said before the season started, you know, that they were going to probably be in the six and six, seven and five range. And instead, they're in college football playoff conversation. They so, are. And I give them credit for that. You can not, lose to Florida State and be coach, coach of the year, year based no. on what he inherited last nope. year. Negative. Sorry. <laughs> Negative ghostwriter. Sorry. That was the way your full. special teams have imploded in that game against Florida State. You hired that guy. You're not coach of the year. Sorry. <laughs> All right, final question tonight. There have been a lot of takes on the Jeff Saturday interim hiring. We talked about some of them earlier this week. Former Steelers head coach Bill Cower, who's on CBS, said that the Saturday hiring was a, quote, disgrace to the coaching profession, end quote. <laughs> so Chris Mad Dog Russo goes on Sirius XM Radio. His response to Cower was basically that Cower got to skip right into national TV with no prior TV experience. So what's the difference with Jeff Saturday. What do you think about that rationale? I think that's absolutely 100% accurate. That's what I think. Because neither of those two people had to work their way up. Now, in the TV industry, right? 
the analyst industry, we see it all the time with former coaches and former players. They yeah. automatically get the boost to those spots, right? So it's more common. doesn't make it right, but it is more common than it is in the coaching The world. bigger the name, the bigger opportunity you've Absolutely. got. Tom Brady's got a contract and he hasn't even done, yep. you know, He's not even done playing football yet. You don't know if he's any good at. He's got the biggest contract comic. anyone's yeah. ever had. Right, exactly. You have no idea if he's any good at it, right? Right. But you know what it all comes down to? Any profession that you have ever had or I have ever had or anybody in the chat has ever had, it comes down to this. It's not what you know, it's right. who you know. And Jeff Saturday is really good friends with Jim Irsay. And, you know, Jim Irsay really respects Jeff Saturday. And so he made him the head coach. It only takes one, like you said, right? Only takes one owner to make you the head coach. That's right. That's who he knows. And that's why he got the job, period. Yep. And he may be good at it, but that's why he got it. Life's not about what's fair. It's about what's feasible. You know, yeah. like I, someone I used to work with used to talk about fair all the time. Oh, Quit yes. talking about what's fair because yeah. nothing is fair. You know, it's like fairness went out the window a long time ago, but there is, you know, like being in the profession that I'm in, you know, having worked in in broadcasting and, you know, this, you know, profession for a long time. You know, this this goes back to when I was in college in the mid 90s. I had a professor who who called it the jockocracy of like the guys who would leave the playing field and go straight into the booth. And it's like, you know, again, it's been going on forever and it's never been necessarily fair to like you know the the guys who sit on the play-by-play side and yeah oh, you know yeah. Who, who start out at low levels and cut their teeth you know unless your name's jack collinsworth i guess you know and like <laughs> rise through the that. ranks and, uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff but you know again it's like he is where he is because of what his name is and because right. of where he went to school he's a notre dame grad whose last name is collinsworth his brother yeah. played for notre dame and his you know his dad obviously has been on nbc for a long time it's not who and, you know it's what you yeah. know I, I mean it's not what you know it's who you know and that's a prime example jeff saturday's a prime example and any other athlete or coach that has gotten big ticket numbers after getting fired by the way usually usually getting fired or retiring i mean that's how it is because of who they are so and i mean yeah even tony romo like he ended up being really good at the job but right. why did he get the job because he was an ex-quarterback. And an ex-Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> and it worked, it worked out really well. Because he's yeah. really good at his job. Right. They didn't know that when they hired him. Right. Come on. They can say they did all they want. Yeah. But you can do all the screen tests you want. You don't know until until that yeah. that mic and, and that camera are live. Yeah. So. That's why, you know, I'm still... I am curious to see what you know how this whole thing works out with Tom Brady because oh, not yeah. only is he getting the job, he's going straight to the number one booth, you know, mm-hmm. right off the top, yep. without doing a game. And you know, they tried that with Jason Witten on Monday Night Football a few years ago, basically trying work. to follow the momentum of Tony Romo, but it didn't work out too well. Yeah, Vince, I've got to get going. Yes, got to, like I said, I got to pack up and hit the bus. Good to be with you here as always. Thanks to everybody for being in the mailbag here tonight, but. um people keep wanting to bring up jesse like like this job is paying anywhere close to you know like (laughs) i know right what's sitting on on cbs or you know (laughs) jeff saturday's making down there (laughs) you know (laughs) i can guarantee you he's not making jeff saturday money no no (laughs) oh and he slips in uh he slips in a super chat right before we go. Just saying hi, guys. Great job tonight. No question. Just saying hi. All right. Thanks, Thank Joe. you very much, Joe. Appreciate it. Again, I got to get out of here. I got to yep. break it all have down. Great to be. Jesse great. will be back tomorrow. I have no yep. idea what we're talking about. I'm sure Boston College will factor into it. We'll figure it out. Have a great call, my friend. All right. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com